Welcome to Staff Picks, the podcast for movie nerds by movie nerds. As always, I'm Mario Lanza, and I am your host on our journey through the movies out there that just need a little more love in the world. And our movie today, uh, continuing my theme of all horror movies for the month of October, it is a somewhat obscure, maybe maybe not that obscure, but it's not. it was not a huge mainstream horror movie. It's from 2001. It's called Frailty, and is an, an exceptionally disturbing slash creepy movie that, if you've seen it, you will not forget it. And I'm very excited to talk about this one. Uh, my guest for this episode, I had him on before. He was uh, my co-host on Clash of the Titans. If you want to hear a really good underrated episode of Clash of, the, or of Staff Picks, go listen to the Clash of the Titans. That's one of my favorite middle-era episodes that I did. I think that was a really fun discuss, discussion. And he did a great job last time. Uh, he's a college professor, movie fan, pop culture enthusiast. Was very excited to, to come on and talk about Frailty, because this is a movie that he has loved as well. So welcome back to the show, Jason Rasmussen. Well, thanks. I appreciate being here, and I look forward to talking about this film. Yes, welcome back to the show, Jason, and uh, Frailty. I was very excited to find a co-host for this one because, again, this is not a movie that everybody knows. Is that your experience as well? Do you know many people that talk about this one? No, no. The, the few that I know that have seen it, you know, they all love it, and, and I, I'm one of those, of course. I've seen it several times. But, uh, yeah, this is one of those ones that slid under the radar, and uh, I think it's just a fantastic movie. Yeah, I, uh, I, I've talked about this before, that I used to have a, uh, a list on, when I first started on Facebook, 2007, 2008, it was called 10 Great Horror Movies Most People Have Never Seen, and Frailty was one of them on there, obviously, and so, uh, yeah, this is one, uh, it was fairly hard to find at the time, it has since gathered kind of momentum and gathered an audience over the years, where a lot of people, I think, talk about it nowadays, but again, this was not a big mainstream movie, was this an indie movie, do you know? I don't think so. I think it was released theater and all that, and I I, don't, I never saw it in the theater, but uh, I did see it shortly after it was released, and and uh, so I'm, I'm guessing it was theater. Okay, and let's see what else is notorious about this movie. It was a the famed actor Bill Paxton. This is his first and I believe only directing appearance. Did he ever direct anything else? I don't believe so. I think this was it. And uh, one of the things I saw about this is that uh, because this was his only one, he didn't have anything to lose. So he got to really you know, go forward and, and uh, produce this story that is not mainstream by any means. <laughs> yeah, it's, I was just reading some reviews that said the same thing. Um, for people who have not seen Frailty, this is a nasty, disturbing little movie. And I know Roger Ebert in his review said... Only a first-time director would have ever made this movie because, like a someone who's a director for a living, they depend on their movie being a hit to get a contract for their next movie. So only someone who had nothing to lose would have approached this movie at all. So I think that actually ties into it a little bit. Yeah. And I think Paxton does a great job. I mean, he does a great job. He's the star of the movie, and he's the director. And I really think it's very well done. I don't really see anything that jumps out that's like he did wrong with it. 
yeah, there's, I mean, everybody does a great job acting. I mean, Bill Paxton himself is like one of the creepiest characters in the first place, just because of the way he is in the movie, which we'll discuss. But, uh, and Matthew McConaughey does Matthew McConaughey in his monotone, but still, uh, fun to watch, you know, voice and, and Powers Booth is Powers Booth. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, this is okay. That's the cast. We got uh Bill Paxton, Matthew McConaughey, Powers Booth. And this is one of McConaughey's first big mainstream movies, although it's not I know it's not his first. His first one was like a time to kill. And then this one came after that. But yeah, this is it's an interesting uh, evolution in Matthew McConaughey's uh, uh career as an actor because he's not playing Matthew McConaughey. He actually has to act in this one. Yeah, uh, I, I I liken it to his character in uh, oh the HBO series that he's a, a true uh, detective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, very much uh, a very monotone acting, but at the same time, it's supposed to be that way. And at no point in this movie does he say "All right, all right, all right," <laughs> which is the big detriment to the film. <laughs> yes, maybe a deleted scene they could have put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we're going to jump right into this one. This is a very deep movie it's about theology and faith and god and there's a couple twists in it and the interesting thing jason and i were just discussing this before the movie i'm not entirely sure what the twist is there's like how many how many twists did you count in this movie well for me i think it's three big twists which i think is actually i've not thought of another movie out there that does three twists and make it and they make sense i mean in regards to actually you know really pulling you this way and that yeah, yeah, it's. I was just thinking, someone says, oh, Frailty, that's a movie that's got a great twist at the end. And I'm like, which one? Like, I don't even know which one you're talking about. Yeah, I agree. Okay, yeah, we're going to do our best to delve into this, and we're going to save the spoiler talk for the end. As always, I would recommend you watch this movie before you listen to the podcast, but because I know, you know this is kind of a hard movie to find, you may have to listen to us first. But we will do our best to save the spoilers for the end. We will... Just we will present it as it appears in the as it happens in the movie. How's that? Absolutely. Sounds like a plan. Okay. this movie, Frailty, is the story of a serial killer named the God's Hand Killer. And it's set in Texas. And how does it start? It starts at the FBI uh, office, right? Yeah. Powers Booth is apparently working the late shift that day. He plays Agent Dole and uh, and he's got, you know, He's actually Matthew McConaughey is in there in his office, sitting there waiting for Agent Dole, which I thought was odd in and of itself to the fact that they're letting this guy in this FBI office just sit in the guy's office with pictures hanging of bloody corpses (laughs) and all this kind of thing, you know, chilling out. Yeah. Yeah. So the FBI agent Powers Booth is he's been a visitor has come to the office and to talk to him. And it's perhaps a little disturbing, more disturbing than most visitors to the FBI, because he arrives in an ambulance that we find out he stole. And he's there to report a not only a murder, but a series of murders. Correct. Correct. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, his name is Fenton Meeks. And he, he says he knows who the God's hand killer is. Yes. Fenton Meeks, played by Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. And he is a he's there to he has stolen an ambulance. He's there to report a murder. And he says, basically, what we learn is that there's a serial killer that's been terrorizing Texas for I don't want how long, like 15 years, I would assume something like that. Yeah, I don't think they give you a timeline on the the years, but that sounds probably about right. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the God's Hand Killer have been terrorizing for a while, and Fenton Meeks is there at the FBI office, and he says, I know who the killer is. 
And Powers Booth, of course, is like, no, you don't. Like, he goes, people people don't just walk in and tell you who a serial killer is, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and the, there's one of the first things there that really will screw with you is he will admit and say that it's actually his brother, Adam, that's actually uh, the killer. And that he's out there slaying demons and just, that are destroying the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's the plot of the movie. And it happens very quickly in this movie. This is a very brisk movie. It's not especially complicated. Right from the start, you see there's this guy... Uh, uh, he's been out there killing people in the name of God. They call him the God's hand killer. He says, God's hand has given me the power to smite these demons. And Fenton says, it was my brother, Adam. Adam was the one killing everybody. I killed Adam tonight, or Adam died tonight. I kind of forget what happened. But basically, Adam died tonight. Fenton, at the hospital, stole the ambulance, drove right to the FBI, because now that his brother is dead, he can admit this is the story. And so this is the – everything from this point on is going to be a flashback. Yeah. And, and one of the interesting things in the office, which I found a little bit creepy and weird, is that Fenton is sitting there talking to the agent Dole and keeps asking him about this picture of, of Dole and his mother on his desk. And keeps saying, what is this picture? You know, how, how much did you love her? You know, I was going to sing. And it's just this weird kind of – obsession with this photograph <laughs> yeah it's yeah this will come in handy later the mother of the agent just file that away for now so anyway yeah fenton is there to confess that his brother was the serial killer they've been looking for for all these years and the agent of course doubts it at first he's like no way but then he checks with his dispatcher and she's like you know an ambulance was stolen from a hospital and a guy that by adam meeks or there was a meeks that died there tonight and she's like, you know, his story checks out. This guy did steal an ambulance and drive here. And although I do love this, the town that he came from. Do you remember the name of the town that Fenton just arrived from? Uh, no, I spaced it. Meat. Meat, Texas. M-E-A-T. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now I remember. <laughs> so this is the story. So the agent is like, okay, this guy's story checks out. Perhaps his brother was the God's hand killer. Let's talk about this a little more. So we go inside and he talks to Fenton. And this is where we get the little Wayne's world, the flashback. <laughs> and we go back to 1979. With young Fenton and young Adam. Yeah. So explain the dynamic of the family to people who have maybe not seen this before. Okay, uh, so straight up, Bill Paxton is the father, and he plays the father very well. He's a he's a, a loving father, you know, takes care of his kids. He has a job as a mechanic. He, uh, you know, he does what he can to provide for them, and and you can see that there's a relationship between this family that's you know a pretty strong bond. But it's just the dad and his uh, in Fenton, who is Matthew McConaughey, but this is a younger Fenton, and Adam, who is three years younger than Fenton, so he's about eight years old. And his mother had actually died giving birth to him. You know, so the dad's kind of goofy. He's a family man. And uh, so this is kind of like the, the, the dynamic of the family. There's nothing really weird or creepy. It's just a happy little family. Yeah, a happy little three-person blue-collar family with no mother and a dad that really loves his kids. And I should point out, something I really like about this movie, and my wife commented on this as well, is that like when Bill Paxton is usually in movies, he's usually smarmy. Or like a con artist or something. Yeah. And in this one, he's not. He's like the exact opposite. He's like the most earnest, nice person ever, which is kind of an interesting that Bill Paxton's playing him. 
Uh, and, and, and the funny thing is, with with some of the actors in the movie, sometimes you connect them with other roles. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I was just thinking uh, when I was watching this originally, he's such the nice guy that he's countering the character he played in uh, Weird Science, the brother, you know, <laughs> you know, all that kind of thing. So I I started to picture that in my head, and it was just kind of conflicting. Yeah, you went Weird Science. I was going uh, True Lies, where he plays Simon, the used car salesman. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite Bill Paxton. So, yeah, so Bill Paxton is just the nicest, most earnest, blue-collar mechanic dad. And, again, we're in Texas in the late 70s. And I do know that Bill Paxton specifically cast all actors that were from Texas, just to give it more authenticity. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, little trivia fact. McConaughey, I believe Paxton, and Powers Booth are all from Texas. So it's got a lot of authenticity here. Huh. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I mean, I can see that, definitely. And so the mom, yeah, like uh, Jason said, the mom has died during childbirth, and so it's just this dad with these two kids, and let's see, they live in like this old gardener's shack behind a rose garden in the city called Thurman. They're not very well off, but it's a good family, and they're very salt of the earth, very religious. The kids sing like Bible songs, and like you said, Jason, they just get the outwardly appearance. There's nothing weird about this family at all. They're doing the best that they can. Yeah, and that and the fact that the the loss of the mother, this is not some sort of foreshadowing thing. It's just something that happened in the past and to set the tone, you know, to set the idea that this is the dad and two sons. And here we go. The movie, we were already delving right into the movie here, is that, like, we've just been established. We've met the family. We've met these two boys, and they're perfectly normal. And then one night, the boys are awakened. They're in their beds, and the, the, the dad comes rushing into their bedroom, and he looks a little shaken. Because Jason, he has seen something. Something in his in his in his bedroom in his dreams has disturbed him. What has the father seen? He has had a vision from God, you know. And basically, there is a uh, a film edit here to make it look like a trophy in his room lights up this in, you know, incredibly bright. And this angel is supposedly coming to him to tell him the truth of the world and re- reveal God's special purpose for the family, and that the end of the world is near. Yeah, the exact quotes there, the dad, again, has seen an angel. An angel has appeared to him in his vision, and he says, you know, the angel has told me the end of the world is coming, it's near, and there's demons among us, sons. He's like, the devil has released all these demons into the world, and the battle for good against evil in the world is happening right now. And he says, but nobody knows about it but us. We have been chosen by God that basically God will, he's going to give us these gifts and we are going to go out and destroy demons. We are going to do this in the name of God. We are God's right hand. And basically, we're going to go around and kill demons, and God will protect us because we are the chosen ones. And so, and so Adam asks, you know, eight-year-old Adam asks him, he says, so are we superheroes? You know, and, and what's our role? And the dad says, yeah, we're, we're basically super, we have, we're superheroes and we have superpowers that to see the demons that others can't. Yeah, that's, that is the pitch. And again, the kids are not 100% on board, obviously, if your dad walks in and says, by the way, we're demon fighters now and God will give us gifts to kill demons. You would be doubtful too. But that is how the dad sells it. That we are superheroes. We are the only good ones out there that can see the evil in the world for what it is. So we'll be a family of traveling superheroes, which... I got to say, in the dad's benefit, that's a good pitch. Yeah, especially for an 8 and 11-year-old kid, you know. It's like, well, there's anything else you're going to do. You're not going to say, we're going to go out and murder people. Yeah, but we're saving the world. See, that was my dad's mistake. When he came into my room and said, we're going to go murder people, he did not use the superhero pitch. So I turned down my father. 
<laughs> well, then that's one of the things too about this whole scene is that this sets up. You know, Adam is right on board. I mean, he's ready to go. He's like, "Yeah, I like this idea. This is fine." I mean, God, a game to us. And Fenton is skeptical. You can see it in his eyes. He's kind of like looking at him, like, "What?" Yeah. This will become a very important dichotomy as the movie goes along. The younger brother Adam, a hundred percent on board with killing demons. The older brother Fenton. 100% not on board with killing demons. And this will become very important through the movie, this uh, tension between the brothers. So the next thing that's going to happen there, you know, he says, we're going to slay the demons. But then he said, then uh, Bill Paxton, is, the dad says that God will send three weapons to destroy with them with, destroy the demons with their magical weapon given by the angels soon. He doesn't have them yet, but they'll be given soon. But he can't. But, and what's the other thing I think it was something about not telling anyone? Yeah, there's a couple rules here that the God, again, we don't see God speaking to Bill Paxton. We just hear what he has been told. So this is will become a kind of the crux of the movie. Is he crazy or not? But he has said, yeah, God will give us three weapons and we can't tell anybody. And if we tell anybody, something bad will happen to one of us or someone we love will die. So it's a it's a, an important secret that we must not tell anybody. So it is up to you at this point if you think the dad is batshit crazy or not. Yeah. Well, and, and, the, and the, it brings up the idea that Judgment Day is here. So I was expecting Terminators in the film anytime. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, Bill Paxton got killed by the Terminator. So it's going to come full circle. That's how it works. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Yeah. So all this happens one night. These little kids world has been turned upside down by their father announcing they are now demon fighters. And then. They just the dad just kind of drops it for a while. He forgets about it, and the kids are like, "Oh, I guess that wasn't going to happen." Until the axe shows up. Well, yeah, that the, the axe is definitely the first one. But the other thing also is that uh, the next day the, everything is hunky dory. Like you said, not, he leaves it alone, and nothing's happening. And Fenton's like, "Well, maybe it was just a dream or a nightmare or something like that." And then the last minute out the door, the dad says. Don't forget. Don't tell anybody about this. Yeah. Good luck at school, son. Here's your lunch. Also, we're going to kill some demons tonight. <laughs> and do well on your test. <laughs> so, so, yeah, the dad is driving home from work one day, and it's always the dad and the sons. They're always in his truck just driving around. And the dad sees this barn. There's this barn out in the middle of nowhere, and there's like a beam of light shining down on it as if God is highlighting the barn. And, and so, Jason, what does he see when he goes inside? Because, of course, the dad's going to walk inside. Well, yeah, I mean, this beam is directly shining on this tree stump in the middle of a barn. And there's a pair of gloves and an axe, like a double-headed axe on there. And later on, we'll see the axe has the word Otis written into it, which I don't know if has the actual purpose for that. But maybe it's just somebody's named Otis. But he, he decides he takes them. You know, he takes the axe, takes the gloves, takes them home, doesn't understand the purpose. But, hey. Apparently, this is one of the first two, uh, or these are the first two weapons that the angels ever provided. Yeah, and that's the the gist here is that you think the dad's crazy, but sure enough, God does start handing him weapons. He gets this axe, and if you see pictures of this movie or posters, it's always Bill Paxton holding this axe. This is his demon slaying axe that he is going to out go out and murder demons with. Although I do have to say, Jason, right from the forefront here. This is not a bloody movie. This is not like a gory slasher flick. No, there's actually only one scene that I can think of that had any blood in it at all. What? Uh, without doing spoilers, where I, I don't I don't remember any bloody scenes. Which one are you talking about? Can you vaguely describe it? 
Um, well, if I do, it's a big spoiler, but it has right. to do with <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so something at the end. Yeah. But yeah, this is not a hardcore R-rated movie. This is one that I believe is accessible to anybody. It's not jump scary. It's not gory. It's not super violent. Everything is implied, but there it it packs a punch. I think that's what I would like to say about it. Well, that's what I, I mean. I, I consider it one of these cerebral horror movies, ones they actually have to it's not only these ones you have to overthink and think like, what the heck, you know, what, what's what's going on over there? What what the, huh? You know, it's more like along the lines of, holy crap, what just happened? Yeah. The holy crap, what just happened? And it will get very much into theology and faith and God. And we'll get there in a minute. I just want to set that up now. We're going very much into what it means to have faith and what God really is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So they've got the weapon. They have the axe. And the kids are still, like, rolling their eyes. They're like, this is stupid. And the dad has gloves that he found with the axe. And then he also finds, like, a lead pipe, right? Yeah. He brings it home, unwraps it nice and, you know, and just nicely on the table. And, like, look, here's, a, here's the next weapon, a steel pipe. You know, in the, in the, in the, in the uh, observatory with uh, Professor uh, you know, Green, whatever. Yeah, I'm glad you beat me to the clue joke. I was going to say the dad, oh. <laughs> the dad is trying to get the rope and the revolver. And he's going to get all six. It's clue, the home game. <laughs> but yes so so the dad has all his weapons all his demon killing weapons and again nothing overtly violent has happened yet but now the dad's going to escalate and he says you know the angel came back to me last night and again we don't see this yeah Ooh, no this isn't the card okay we don't see it until later but the dad's like the angel came back to me and he gave me a list and the list is going to be of all these people that are actually demons that we have to kill so this is where it's going to start escalating a little bit, where now he's actually getting lists of people's actual names. Well, yeah, and the vision that he sees, they give us a, a visual in the film, which is probably where 99% of their budget went. But he's underneath a car at work, you know, and, and just fixing up a car, and all of a sudden the bottom of the car transforms into this cathedral, and this angel with a fiery sword comes down and, and brings him the vision of you know, in, in, of the list basically, and says these are the names. He doesn't say it, but you know, then you see the dad writing down the names immediately after. Yeah, and that is the only overt, I believe, sign in this movie of God or an angel actually appearing to the dad. So it's very much vague in your head if this is actually happening or not. But we do see it, whether it's his interpretation or whether it really happened. This is the angel coming down to the dad, and again, yeah, he gives him a list with seven names. And, you know, that this is where the dad shows the list to Fenton, his disbelieving son. He says, we have to kill these people. And Fenton, of course, is horrified. Yeah, he realizes, I mean, they're actually real people's names. And, and then this is where the skepticism from before comes really into play because he's freaking out. He's like, we, we can't kill people, you know. Yeah. And the dad, of course, has a answer for that, which is, they're not people. These are demons, son. See, you just don't get it, that these are demons disguised as people, and God has shown me the truth. And Fenton does not just disbelieve from day one. But what does the dad say? Like, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, when, I, when I touch them, I will see them for their true form, Fenton. Then you'll see. Yeah, and then this is also the realization that the gloves are so that if he goes with the lead pipe and knocks him over the head, he can bring them back without revealing them to anybody else, you know, so he doesn't have to touch them. Yeah, this is a uh, okay. It's really interesting here. I'm going to try to word this next part very specifically here, where the dad has his list. These are the demons we have to kill. Fenton, the older brother, says, "No, we're not going to do that. These are people." Dad's like, "No, you'll see. I'll touch them, and you'll see their true nature." 
And Adam, of course, is ready to go because Adam now claims that God has appeared to him too, right? This is where Adam says, you know, an angel appeared to me, dad, and I got a list also. Yeah, he, he writes his list up in crayon and, and says, you know, uh, here's my list that God gave me to, of, of who we need to kill, which is already a bad sign, you know. Yeah. Um, but then it, it includes a guy, uh, one of the kids at school that had been bullying Adam and dad, and his dad kind of says, you know, looks at him like he's like he's insane and says, you can't make this kind of stuff up. You know, he says, we are destroying demons. You know, destroying people is bad. We kill demons. We don't kill people. Yes, and that's very important, and this will come back several times through the movie, and the dad will repeat this, and Fenton will repeat this, and they're not really approaching it from the same angle, that killing demons is okay, but killing people is bad, and the dad will flat out say, you should never kill a person, that's a sin. Yeah, well, and the other thing is, too, is that Fenton can't tell anybody, because if he goes and tells the police, they'll take the dad away. Or even not believe him, which we'll see a little bit, but, you know, take that away and then him and Adam will be on their own and, and have, you know, and go from there or orphanage or whatever it might be since they have no other family. Yeah, it's it gets tricky because, A, if the if he reports his dad to the cops, they'll take the dad away. But the dad has also claimed if we tell anybody, then the angel will hurt or kill one of us. Yeah, or, or you know, would, there, there will be consequences to telling about, you know, telling anybody else. This angel's kind of a dick, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Just just hide your secrets, you know, don't let anybody know. Um, it's okay. Uh, it'll, it'll, work, it'll all work out in the end. You know, it's funny when, when I have somebody come on to do two Staff Picks episodes, I love to make comparisons between the movies that they have done with me. And you did Clash of the Titans and Frailty, and I'm like, those movies have nothing alike. But now I just realized because the gods were kind of dicks in that one, too. <laughs> so wow it actually comes full circle because we made a joke in clash of the titans how medusa i don't know if you guys know the history of medusa that she was attacked and raped in a temple and the gods were so mad that she had sex in a temple they turned her into a snake lady i'm like that's just the gods being a-holes but you can make the argument the gods in this ones are just as bad well, and it makes you start questioning in the movie too. I mean, you already question if he's if 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 the dad is nuts, but at the same time, you're sitting there going, "Well, um, you know, we have seen an image of an angel in a cathedral, so there may be possibly some truth behind it." So you're, you're questioning yourself as you go through, going, "Is there any evidence aside from this?" You know, looking at it, trying to find something. Yeah, and again, if you've never seen this movie, you've heard us talk about there's spoiler, there's twists in this movie. That's not really giving it away because the twists, multiple twists, are not what you think they're going to be. So even though we're hinting at that, don't think you're going to figure this one out before we get there. <laughs> I, I don't think you'd be able to figure it out until 10 minutes until the end of the movie and <laughs> even then be like, um, I think I got it. <laughs> okay, so one day, here we go to the first murder slash demon slaying, depending on how you look at it, potato, potato. Um, so dad never comes home from work one night and the kids are concerned. They're like, where's dad? And Fenton has to like prepare dinner and everything. Cause Fenton's the older brother and Fenton's trying to explain to Adam. He's like, you know, dad's crazy. He's just, all this is make believe made up. It's like Santa Claus. And Adam of course does not believe that Adam thinks it's real. And, uh, Fenton's like, Adam, dad might kill somebody. And if that happens, we got to report him. So he's trying to prepare Adam. And this is where it all you know, comes to a head where dad comes home with the first body. Yeah. He's got a, uh, you know, a bag or human sized bag over his shoulder. And, um, you see him unlocking the shed. Uh, you know, Fenton goes out to see what's going on. 
And sure enough, in the shed is a woman, you know, lying there in the ground in a nurse's outfit, you know, and oh, this is extreme blood right here. A little bit of blood on the side of her mouth, you know, or, or a little bit, a little bit bloody and her mouth is covered in duct tape. And when I say a little bloody, I mean like she got a bad paper cut and maybe it bled a little bit. So that's that's part of the blood, but that's not the one I was talking about. That'll be later. Okay, yeah, the implication here is far worse than the graphicness. That the dad has, he had a woman on his list. Her name was Cynthia Harbridge. He went to her house. He, when she was coming out and going to work, he abducted her. He knocked her over the head with his lead pipe. He duct taped her, and he brought her home. And he's like, kids, this is a demon. We're going to kill it. And the kids are horrified because they're looking at a woman who's crying and like it's like I said, the implication's horrible. This poor woman has been kidnapped, and the dad's like, "You'll see. I'll take her out to the shed, and and I'll show you. I'll I'll touch her, and she will be revealed for what she is." Yeah, and then they, and then of course he does. He pulls off the gloves and touches her, and you you sitting there thinking to yourself, "Well, maybe he's just going to do some sort of like." Uh, you know, shaking and make it seem like he's, you know, seeing something. But she, the, the woman that's on the ground actually has a look in her eye like she's freaking out too, not because she's been captured, but some, like, because something's been revealed to her in her mind or, or some truth has been revealed, it seems to be at least, is more than just, you know, her freaking out that he's touching her. Yeah. And this is the part that I have to make especially clear to people who've never seen this. The dad touches the victim and he, that's his, his gig, that when he touches them, he will be able to see them in their true form. And you see the dad react. He's like, oh, my God. But you never see what he sees. And so it is very much open in your mind if he's actually seeing something or not, or if he just says he is. And he's like, oh, my God, did you see that? And Fenton, the disbeliever, says, I didn't see crap, Dad. It's just a woman there that you tied up. And Adam in the background, the little kid, claims he sees it. He saw the vision. Yeah. Well, of course, Adam, you know, it seems to be wanting to please his dad the whole time. He's like, yeah, we're superheroes. Yeah, I made a list. Yeah, you know, I'm okay with this. You know, um, it's a demon. I see I see the I see what you're seeing. So you're just thinking, well, this is an eight year old kid trying to please his dad. Yeah, it's uh, and it's very important. This will become very important to the story. You got to file this away. Just so many things you got to note as you watch this movie. And so the dad says, I've revealed her. She's a demon. We must kill her. And he does. And again, it's not graphic. It's all off screen. But he pulls out that axe and he chops right into her. And it's like, yikes. It's a again, you'd see nothing, but you you hear enough to know what's going on. And that's what makes this movie kind of nasty. Yeah. And, and I think also the mystery of it, too. I mean, you don't want to see the lady get axed. I mean, this is not a slasher film. But at the same time, you're like, oh, God, you know what happened? Is there anything else, you know, like a demon released or whatever it might be? You know, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the first body has been, or the first demon has been killed, and the dad has a rule. He's like, you know, the angel said, we have to take them out to this rose garden by our house and bury them there. This is where we will bury all the demons. And and so now we, or no, we, we see here that Fenton gets in a little fight with him, right? Because dad, Fenton is mad that he just murdered somebody. Yeah, yeah, Fenton is, um, he, you know, he, um, let's see here, i got to go forward in my notes a little bit. Um Dad sees that. Dad's, dad digs a grave. Fenton's crying, yeah. And Adam helps him put the body in the grave in the Rose Garden. You know, and, and the angel specifically said, and you have to bury the body by, you know, you can't wrap it in anything. You have to put it in the Rose Garden, touching the earth and that kind of stuff. You know, and God chose the Rose Garden. Yeah, the angel's very specific. Does the angel, like, own stock in the special wrap that they have to buy to put the bodies in? 
<laughs> he just likes to recycle. <laughs> the angel is a, a conflict of interest here in the angel's rap business. <laughs> but yeah, so Fenton's mad and, and he's crying and, and the dad is trying to reassure Fenton because the dad, of course, thinks he's the perfect father. He's like, you don't understand, son. Like, that wasn't a person. That was a demon. I had to do it. And he's. it's funny what the dad is most upset about is not that Fenton's upset or that, you know, he killed a woman. He's more upset that Fenton didn't see the demon for what it was. Yeah, exactly. And Adam supposedly did, you know. Fenton's basically just aghast that his dad is going to do it again. And, and, he, and he says he won't let his dad do it. You know, says, I can't let you kill another person. And the dad keeps re- reiterating the fact, saying, I'm not killing people. I'm killing demons. Yeah, the dad's like, you'll see it next time. And Fenton's like, wait, you're going to do it again? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's more names on the list. I mean, really, he's a go-getter. <laughs> there's six more names. I'm, your father does not give up, Fenton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he seems like a hardworking man. Like you said, blue collar, you know, gets the job done. <laughs> so, so this is where we flash back to the forward, to the future, to the present, and we have Fenton talking to the FBI agent, and he's explaining all this, and, and the FBI agent's like, uh, you know, we've only found six bodies or something like that, not seven. Like, I know there were seven people on the list, and they've only found six or something. I forget what it is, but at this point, the Fenton has convinced the FBI agent that enough of this is true and they need to go out to this rose garden so he can find all the bodies and confirm it. So at this point now it's a big driving scene with powers booth driving a handcuffed Matthew McConaughey out to the rose garden to back up the story. Well, and one of the things in this scene is important for future reference as well. Um, in the fact that they say that the first victim was found mutilated. Um, and with a note that said God's hand had taken him. Okay. So they found the one body with the note and but they over the course of the next six bodies or more, there are more notes, but they're just notes. There's no bodies. So the first note said the other bodies would never be found and says that they are meant to be kept. So it's important to recognize that this that this note will play into into the uh, narrative later on. So that's how the FBI knew that there were bodies. They just hadn't found the bodies. Yeah. Okay. And that backs up this whole story of the God's Hand Killer. So they, they've known about this. They've known it's been going on for a while. So this is a, a known serial killer. Yeah. Okay. So as the FBI agent is driving Fenton out to Thurman to the Rose Garden, you know, the, the Fenton is once again asking about his mother. He's like, tell me again about your mother. And the FBI guy's like, well, I keep a picture on my desk because she was murdered and they never found the killer. And Fenton's like, yeah, what? So Fenton's like, that is that why you became an FBI agent to to avenge her murder? And I, and I, I love the line in here: a cop's got to have good instincts. <laughs> yeah. Okay, without spoiling too much, yeah, we're gonna the cop and Fenton are gonna have an interesting relationship later on. Okay, let's go to murder number two here. So moving briskly along, the dad has killed the waitress and she's gone, and now it's time for the second one, and. And dad, of course, is stocking up because he buys something. He buys a, a murder van now. Yeah. What's the van there for? Uh, we got a van now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, the Ted Bundy special, the windowless white van. With the, with the sign on the side that says free candy. <laughs> <laughs> for demons. Yeah, for demons. Demon candy only. <laughs> so yeah a month a month has gone by and now it's time for the second murder and this is where the dad tells the kids some other rules and these are important to the story later on 
where he says like, we're going to kill people in broad, or we're going to kill demons in broad daylight. And Fenton's like, we can't just do that. And he's like, no, God will protect us. He will find some way to shield us. Yeah, they're going to be invisible when they're in God's hands or when they're doing God's work. Yeah, that's among the things that are creepy about this movie. That's one of the creepiest, the whole idea that they can do whatever they want and God will blind all witnesses and protect them. By the way, I'm upping my twists, uh, my, my twists to the film to four, by the way. Oh, the OK. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Four. So we're up to four twists. Yeah. OK, so so they go and they this murder is this old man, this feeble looking old man. He's in a supermarket and the dad's like, that's him. And Fenton's like, that's him. That's like an, a sad old man. The dad's like, no, it's a demon, son. Yeah, and Fenton's freaked out, you know, and but he's still worried about the fact that Adam might be, you know, in trouble or whatever that, or or somebody's gonna be in trouble if if uh, he doesn't do what his dad asks. So he goes over to this guy's or to this car and acts like his dog is stuck under the old man's car. And while the, while the nice old man, you know, nice feeble old man's bending over to help him out, dad whacks him over the head in front of a grocery store. You know, everybody's going in and out with their groceries. Dad whacks him with his lead pipe. You know, and uh, and Fenton refuses to help him bring the old man back to the van. Yeah, this is the one in broad daylight where the dad is starting to get really brazen with what he can pull off. And, yeah, he just whacks this guy right in the middle of a of a supermarket parking lot. And then they take the guy in the van, bring him back, and we reenact the whole thing before where dad pulls off his gloves and says, Watch, son, I'm going to touch him, and you'll see all his sins. You'll see that he's a demon. And it's the same thing as before, right? Where you just see it from the dad. You just see the dad react, but you don't see what he sees. Exactly. And the old man's freaking out just like the nurse did and all that kind of stuff. But the dad does say something interesting here, which is only becomes relevant later in the movie when the dad, after he touches the old man, says, you didn't think I knew about that, did you? He says, God saw you. <laughs> yeah. And so once again, the axe comes out. The dad murders a, uh, the old man. And and Fenton, of course, is having a little conniption fit. Fenton cannot believe his dad has now killed two innocent people. And the dad is trying his best to convince him. He's like, this guy is a demon. He murdered babies, Fenton. You didn't see it? And he's very concerned that Fenton apparently didn't see the vision. Yeah, he says, you know, he continually brings that in. He's like, well, you'll see it eventually. But, you know, I'm surprised you haven't seen it because, I mean, it's right here. The guy's right in front of us. I just killed a demon. And Adam is, Adam's on board. He says, yeah, yeah, he's a demon slayer. I like that. You know, no, I don't like this, but he says he's a demon slayer and he can see it when he touches him. He said he, re he reinforces this idea. So Adam's just a little kiss ass, basically. <laughs> yeah. You know, he gets extra allowance if he says, hey, yeah, yeah I saw it. Yeah. If you see the demons, Fenton, you get more than $5 for your allowance. You get 10 <laughs> And Adam, smart, the smartest of the two kids, is sees the visions. <laughs> yep. And Fenton continually tries to. Tell Adam, hey Adam, you're, you've been brainwashed, or dad, you know, dad's brainwashed him and made him believe this was not real. And Adam is going to tell dad that Fenton said this. Yeah, things are going to go downhill for Fenton real fast here, because <laughs> <laughs> now his dad has killed two people, and Fenton, as the lone voice of sanity in the family in the movie, basically, wants to go tell the cops, my dad's a killer. But Adam squeals on him, the little kiss ass tells on his brother and now fenton is forced to do a punishment yeah <laughs> this is not one i would like by any means you know he uh, his dad says go out here and he brings him outside to the where the shed is right next to the shed and basically tells him to dig a hole 
10 feet deep and 15 feet on each side. I remember that from the top of my head, right? No, I got notes. (laughs) And Fenton asks him why, but his dad basically says, this is the way it is. And he expects half of it to be dug by the time the dad gets home from work. And and Fenton says he can't do it. And and his dad walks away. He mumbles a line, which I had to repeat uh, when I watched it. But his dad says, pray. Yeah. I should point out, this is not so much the dad's punishment, is that Fenton has been bad. Fenton is not on board with killing demons. And the dad says, the angel visited me last night. And this is like, when you hear that statement, your butthole just puckers up every time if you're Fenton. Like, you know, the angel shows up and horrible things happen. I hate this damn angel. And the angel, and the dad's like, the angel said, you're going to dig this giant hole, which is basically a dungeon. And so here's a shovel and you're not going to be, you do not stop until you're done. So Fenton is going to be busy digging for a while. The angel said, you're supposed to clean out my car nice and clean. (laughs) The angel said, you're supposed to do the dishes. The angel said, run down to the store and get me a pack of smokes. (laughs) <laughs> sorry i got off track there but i just start imagining all these fun little tasks yeah so so fenton is very rebellious fenton has no faith in god in fact at this point he's like i hate god and fenton has been raised very religious he's very much a believer he was singing bible songs at the start but now he is furious because what god has done to his family and he even says i was going to dig the hole that is as deep as my hatred for dad's god Mm-hmm. His hatred of God helps him continue to dig and dig and dig to the point he's tearing his hands up. I mean, and he's not wearing gloves either. Yeah. The little boy, Fenton, I don't know how old he is, 12, 10, somewhere in there. He digs a spite hole and he it's the biggest hole ever. And then the dad moves a little uh, shed on top of it. And this is now their demon killing dungeon. So the movie's going to get even darker if that's possible. Yeah. Well, I mean, I felt bad enough for Fenton in the first place. But, yeah, we all know what the hole's for. Yeah, this is the uh, Silence of the Lambs. This is Jamie Gum's, you know, well of death, basically. <laughs> uh. All right, so now we're going to come to murder number three, and things are going to come to a head here because uh, the dad has abducted another stranger that was on his list. God told him to abduct him. He takes him home, and he throws this guy, this long-haired hippie guy, down into the basement. And now dad wants Fenton to prove his faith. And dad's like, you know, Fenton... I think you need to prove that you're on board with us on this demon killing thing. So here's the axe. How about you kill him this time? <laughs> Fenton does not take well to this for some weird reason. He runs away. And um, and as he begins to run away, he expects angels or God to stop him. But he realizes he has to end this and runs to the sheriff's office. Yeah. Fenton sells out his father. Nasty little kid. What a little brat. Goes right to the <laughs> cops and tells his dad and the sheriff doesn't believe him he's like your dad although i should point out we never learned the dad's name in this movie did you notice that no i did i did absolutely yeah he's just dad <laughs> so your dad is the salt of the earth he, he's the local mechanic he's not killing people that's ridiculous and fenton eventually gets him to come back to the house and this is where we get this nasty or not nasty it's a very tense scene where the sheriff's looking around the house and like the dad and fenton are like shooting looks at each other right yeah and, and you know, and Fenton says, "I'm going to show you the evidence, basically." You know, but the thing, the thing, also, I didn't, I just thought about now in regards to this is 
the only like bad thing that happens to people in the daylight is the old dude, you know, in the car at the grocery store. I think almost every other scene is at nighttime because when Fenton goes to the sheriff's office, he's banging on the door and wakes the sheriff up and everything's happening at night. But I don't know if that's a, you know, a, a film thing or just happened to be that way. It's probably because the dad has to have a job during the day. So perhaps this is a sad commentary on the single parent family that if you're going to be murdering demons, you must, you know, do your day job first and you do the demon hunting at night. Oh, a fifth twist. Yes, there you go. (laughs) If only there'd been another parent. If the mom had been here, they could have killed during the day. (laughs) Exactly. There you go. (laughs) Knock out that list in half the time. (laughs) <laughs> so anyhow, he goes to the sheriff, tells him, you know, all this kind of stuff, he brings the sheriff back there and says, I'm going to show you the evidence. They go back to the house. You know, dad is happy and you know, friendly and neighborly and opens up the door and, you know, and everything seems normal there. Yeah, this to me is the most chilling scene in the movie because it's basically Fenton and the dad are having a stare off over whether the dad will have to kill the sheriff. Because the dad doesn't want to do it. The sheriff's not on his list. The sheriff's not a demon. But Fenton has now introduced the sheriff into the equation. And dad's like, well, if we have to go out to the murder shed, I guess we have to. And he looks at Fenton. If it has to be done, it has to be done. And he looks at Fenton. Does it have to be done? Basically ask him, are you going to make me kill the sheriff? And Fenton's like, yep, it has to be done. So anyway, the sheriff is going to meet his maker very quickly. Yeah, the dad, the dad, the sheriff, Fenton, Adam. I don't remember Adam. Adam was that one. But they they all go to the shed, you know, the death cellar, whatever, and all this. And and Fenton says, I can show you where the bodies are buried. You know, there was nothing in the bottom, obviously. By that time, dad had gotten rid of the evidence. But Fenton says, I can show you where the bodies are buried in the rose garden, which dad doesn't take well to. Yeah. So the sheriff goes down into the shed. He finds nothing. And as he's walking back up, dad hits him with the axe. And I guess this one, I mean, it's not entirely bloody, but you do see the axe in his midsection, right? Yeah, but that's not still not the scene I'm referring to yet. Okay, so this is the, the bloodless axing. So the sheriff dies, and, and what's interesting about this scene, I like the way this scene is acted, is that the dad has a huge breakdown. Like, Fenton is mad that the dad killed the sheriff and that no one, the dad's not going to get in trouble, but the dad is horrified because he just committed a murder and he's never murdered anybody before. Well, and he pukes. I mean, he pukes because he's so, you know, uh, 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 screwed up about this. Yeah, and that's it's a good acting job by Bill Paxton because, again, you have to get into his head that he has been killing demons. He is doing what the God tells him to do. This guy was not a demon. I just murdered a man. He's so upset about this and he throws up and then he blames Fenton, right? Yeah. You know, it says, you, you made me kill this man. I've never killed a man before tonight. You know, you, I'm here to protect the mission, and a man is dead because of Fenton's lack of faith. So, yeah, he says that, that, that Fenton made him commit murder. He's dead because you have no faith. That's the dad's stir era, stinging rebuke to his son. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I figure you know, he was very supportive in the beginning of the movie. What happened? <laughs> yeah, well, unfortunately, Fenton had made him commit murder, so... Fenton is going to have to pay the price here, and (laughs) this is where, okay, we're going to start setting up some plot twists here, and I will try not to spell them out, because a lot of them are very vague until you get to the end of the movie, but now Fenton must be punished, and the dad goes to Fenton, and as always, Jason, helpfully, the angel has come to him and told him what to do with Fenton. 
<laughs> yeah. Yep. Time time to bring Fenton out out for a nice little talk. Yeah. Outside by the uh, the death the death cellar. Uh, okay. Well, the angel has said two things to the dad, and they're kind of mentioned in passing. The dad says, "The angel said that you're a demon, Fenton. Are you? Because I can't believe that. Because now the da- the da- the dad is thinking that Fenton might be one of the people he has to kill." because he's a demon, but the dad won't do that. And so yeah. he's like, uh, you'll, you'll stay down here. He locks Fenton underground in the shed and he's going to be there for like a month. This is going to be a nasty old Testament punishment where Fenton's tortured. And it's basically because the, 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 the angel has told the dad, your son's a demon. You have to kill him. And the dad doesn't believe it. And the dad's like, you're going to stay down here and you're going to pray, pray for a vision. Only God can help you. Now you stay here until you see a vision. Otherwise you will rot and die down here. Yeah, I mean, and, he, and basically he chains up the cellar. You know, there's no way that Fenton's going to get out. And um, he specifically tells Adam, don't bring him food. Um, you can bring him water once a day, you know, or, or a certain amount of water, like a cup of water a day, basically. But don't feed him. You know, he, he's supposed to pray and see these visions, basically. And so poor Adam, I mean, Adam wants to help his brother, but at the same time, he, he's bringing a little extra water. That's about it, really. And it's poured down through the floorboards to poor Fenton, you know, over the course of at least the, the, the first party. And he's there for a week. Yeah. And that's what you can say about Adam. He's a good kid. <laughs> he's kiss ass. <laughs> no, he, he takes care of his family, you know. Yeah. And he can see the visions even better. So he's a good kid. Yeah. Okay, so Fenton stays underground for seven days, and he basically goes stir-crazy down there because he's locked in the dark with no food. And the dad comes down after seven days, and the dad, you know, appears very concerned. He's like, are you okay, son? Have you spoken to God? You know, you've been here seven days. Have you seen God? And what does Fenton say? Uh, Fenton says, there is no God. Yeah, that's the wrong answer. So he's locked up again. Same same situation, but he starts losing count of the days. It says it feels like weeks, and he slowly goes insane. <laughs> this is where the other where the other budget goes into play, where they kind of you can see he's like hallucinating and stuff, and says, "I you know next time the dad comes, he says I see God. You know he's been finally sent a vision and understands the destiny like Dad said he would. You know he's nearly passed out. You know and all this kind of stuff, and tells Dad he's seen God. I mean he's emaciated, dirty." But he's seen his vision. Yeah. Now, see, now Fenton becomes the little kiss ass. <laughs> but I, yeah, but I do. I, I don't want to gloss over this too much. This is the scene where the movie really gets extra twisted, where Fenton like goes insane because he's been locked underground for like 30 days with no social interaction, no sun, no food. And you see his mind snap. And so now he has basically become just like his dad. And we don't know, is he making this up? Is he crazy? But he claims, now I see God, I see demons, I'm ready to help. And so we're not entirely sure at this point who's still sane and who's crazy and what's actually going on here. Yeah, it's all flip-flopped. You know, they're back in the house, you know, after after being pulled out and after he's cleaned up a bit. And a side note, uh, were you uh, slightly jealous that he had an old TV dinner in the metal tray? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I looked at that and went, oh, I used to love those. Yeah, yeah, that was my life in 1979. We had a lot of those metal TV dinners. But they were so good. You know, the apple cobbler, man. 
Although I will, I mean, just a little off to the off topic here. I always found it was helpful that you cook the Salisbury steak at the same temperature as the apple cobbler. So when the cobbler comes out, it's basically liquid magma. <laughs> yep, yep, I agree. Uh, and the peas got mixed in with the carrot, or the carrots and peas got mixed in with everything else. I was like, and the potato. Oh, anyhow. <laughs> yeah, good times. This movie was basically my childhood, <laughs> right down to the slaying of demons, <laughs> being locked in a cellar. For watching Kentucky Fried Movie? Yeah, we don't even need to joke about that, but yeah. <laughs> if I'd seen Kentucky Fried Movie, I would have been in that shed for a year. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anyhow, we're making, light of, we're making light of a movie that's very dark at this point in time. That's what we do on Staff Fix, Jason. It's a dark show. <laughs> so they're back in the house, and, and, um, and Adam asks if God told him about the demons, and Fenton says that he's sorry that he didn't believe him. You know, they didn't believe Dad, or Adam for that matter. Adam Adam only gets to see the demons. Fenton got to see God, and Dad said that there was a high price to pay to be able to see God or to see the demons. Yeah, that that's an important distinction. I don't want to gloss over that. That Fenton comes out and says, I saw God when I was underground, and Adam is jealous because Adam, Adam's like, all I ever see are demons, and Fenton saw God. So we know there's a difference between these two boys. That's very important to later in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Fenton's on board. Now, Fenton claims he's on board, and now he's going to go take part in his first abduction and murder. Yep. So the first, they, they go out to Dallas, Texas, and Dad brings the gloves for Fenton and says, now that God's spoken to you, you're going to need these. So, you know, Dad tells Adam, eventually your time will come. You can help out. And they go find this guy in Dallas. This guy is like a misogynist, and he's like yelling at his wife and cursing, and just kind of—you can tell he's a jackass. You don't need to see, you know, hands-on to be a demon to see this guy's, you know, bad news. Yeah, this guy's straight up a demon. We can already tell. So Dad and Fenton knock him out and bring him back, and this is kind of the turning point in the movie where we're going to see has Fenton turned? Is he a murderer like his dad? Is he? quote unquote killing demons they take this guy brad white into their murder shed and fenton is given the axe and the dad which i have to say bill paxton playing this so proud of his son in this scene he's so enamored that his son is going to follow through in his old man's footsteps yeah he's, he's proud he says i've been waiting for this moment you know and fenton says i'm ready to fulfill my destiny you know so dad goes to touch the demon adam's watching Fenton's got this really creepy look in his eye, like you can tell he's gone nuts. And he raises the axe and... He kills Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton, the actor? Holy cow. Yeah, the act. Well, yeah, okay. Now that he actually has died, we shouldn't joke about that. But yes, Fenton <laughs> does the, the old heel turn here, where he's supposed to be killing this guy on the ground, this uh, demon. But no, he takes the axe and he rams it right into his dad's chest. And yeah. the dad is horrified. He's like, what? And he falls to the ground. His son has been has killed him. And so, uh, yeah, th this was not the ending he was expecting. <laughs> Adam's distraught, too, you know. He, you know dad, dad looks at Fenton and Adam both like he's been betrayed. And as Adam comes close to his father, you know, he whispers something to him. All I could hear personally was the word demon. You know, and then dad is dead. <laughs> that does seem to be a prominent word in the dad's vocabulary. So I can see how that word would show up. <laughs> blah, 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 demon. So, so yeah, so Fenton has killed his father 
And you think this is the end of the scene, except Adam, who is still on board with the dad for his demon slaying, grabs the axe and kills the guy on the ground, the demon. Yeah. You know, the eight-year-old Adam's continuing the work. That's got to be a rough way to go out, killed by an eight-year-old with an axe. Got to say. I've got an eight-year-old son. I don't think he, uh, you know, I, I think Minecraft would be his method. <laughs> Does your son see demons? I'm just checking. <laughs> well, I don't know. You ask about if he's looking at me. I, no, I don't know. <laughs> okay, so, and that's really the end of the flashback of the movie. The dad has set up his sons on demon hunting missions. He has been betrayed by his one son, Fenton, who was the voice of reason all along. And now, you know, the truth comes out. The dad was killing people. And uh, what the sons get uh, separated, right? They go into orphanages. Yeah, they get two, two different orphanages. And I think from here on out, we're going to the future. Now we're just going back into the Powers booth, Matthew McConaughey scene for the rest of the movie. Yeah, there's a brief moment in the past, but yeah, it's all pretty much in the present afterwards. Okay, so here we go. This is the reveal of the movie. And again, this is only like a 90-minute movie. It's not especially long. And so we have Powers Booth, the FBI agent, is now, has driven Matthew McConaughey back to his hometown, and they're in the Rose Garden. And McConaughey's like, these are where all the bodies were buried. This is where the God's Hand Killer buried everyone. Yeah, and one thing we got we to gotta quickly touch on, too, is that as they're going to the Rose Garden, and, and uh, Agent Cole is there with him, they're going, they, there's a quick flashback to the past, because Cole asked about the promise that Fent made to his brother, which we failed to mention earlier in the podcast. But um, the the uh, the pod the early in the podcast, um, Adam commits suicide. But before he does so, he called his brother and says, "You have to bury me in the rose garden like you promised." He says, okay. "If if Fenton ever was destroyed by him, Adam Adam would promise to bury him there." Okay. So that is the gist of the movie. Adam has been killing demons all these years in the footsteps of his father, and he buries them in the Rose Garden. And, you know, Fenton, Matthew McConaughey, is out there with Powers Booth. And I would say, here we go, if you don't want to have the twist revealed, I'd stop listening right now. But this is where the one of, all oh, what, five twists start happening? <laughs> well, the fifth one I kind of had it on for fun. <laughs> so uh, I will give you the honor on this one. The first twist is that Powers Booth says, this doesn't make any sense. If Adam Meeks was killing all these people and burying them in the Rose Garden, why are you bringing me here? This doesn't make any sense. And what is McConaughey's response to that? Fenton said, not killed, destroyed. But the big reveal here is that um, Fenton is Adam. You know, so the whole time, you know, he says he, he, did, he wasn't killed. You know, uh, Fenton, the character we've been following the whole time, is Adam. And Adam killed all those people. And Adam says he only killed demons and that Fenton was the actual killer. Yeah, see, it's going to get tricky here because I think you and I might interpret the ending of this movie a little differently. Let me let me just say what I want to say, and then we'll get to the ending here, is that yeah. Adam Meeks can see demons. And that yes. has been the one of the twists of the movie is that the dad was not crazy. The dad was actually telling the truth that all along the dad could see demons. All these people who were killing were horrible people. And the gist of the movie is that Adam is the only hero left in the world that can finish this mission. So this is Adam. Matthew McConaughey at the end of the movie is Adam Meeks finishing his mission of all these people he's supposed to kill. The last person on his list was this FBI agent who we're going to find out murdered his mother and got away with it. And that's where the blood comes in because they, they, they show the murder scene and he, you know, the only thing you really see is through a, um, 
hanging uh, uh, tablecloth and things of like that. But that's like the only you know blood that you really see through the tablecloth when the, the when the agent Cole kills his mother. Yeah. Okay. So and here's the other again. We're gonna we're gonna run a lot of twists here together. But earlier in the movie, we're, we the dad said the angel came to me and gave me a list of people that were demons. And we're gonna see in a flashback where I think this is where we start seeing the reveal that all these people, when the dad did touch them, they actually were demons. Now we see the visions that he saw. Like the waitress at the start, when he touches her, he saw that she had killed her husband and she had slit his throat and got away with it. So he's avenging his death. And then the old man in the parking lot was a child molester. Yeah. And so everyone, everyone he killed deserved to die. And now we see all these visions of his head of the dad and Adam actually seeing this. And it backs up God's story. Yeah, and that's the thing is that you get to when you when you see him, they actually show the whole the whole background, which um, you know now you're sitting there going, well, wait a minute, this was real, this wasn't some delusion, this kind of thing, you know. So it's a big like, whoa, wait a minute, this is the, yeah. the bad news. It, it gets more twisted than that. That's twist. That's I'll just say twist number one. The dad was never crazy. The dad was actually doing God's bidding, and it kind of insinuates when you see these nutcases in the news killing people in the name of God that they might not be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing was that the angel said, your son Fenton is a demon. He's going to grow up to be a demon. He's like a serial killer. He's horrible. You must kill your own son. And that's why the dad was so conflicted. He was supposed to kill Fenton, and he couldn't do it. He couldn't kill Fenton. And what happens was when Fenton used the axe and killed his dad in the cellar that one day, that was Fenton fulfilling his destiny. He's killing a demon slayer that he becomes a demon. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't think about that part. Yeah, that makes sense now. I, didn't, I, didn't, I wasn't thinking about the demon slayer part. Yeah, that's... So Fenton was an a-hole. That's the thing. He's the, he's the villain. You think he's the voice of reason. He was the villain. The dad and Adam were the heroes. And this is where it gets extra twisted, where one of the brothers killed the other one. You think it's Fenton killing Adam. It was actually Adam killing Fenton, and it was because Adam has been following in his dad's footsteps all these years. He finally got a list with Fenton's name on it. He went and killed Fenton, and that night went to the FBI agent's office. That's why it took so long. He had to wait for Adam's list, or Fenton's name, to show up on the angel's list. I thought Fenton, I thought Fenton committed suicide based on the, intro, the early part of the movie. Because um, he, he was on the phone with Adam, wasn't he? It might be, but that's only one point of view. We just hear Adam describing that story. Oh, true, true. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. That, that, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, especially considering the fact that there's another thing there is that those notes that I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. he, had, he had a lot of that information up on his wall to kind of frame uh, Fenton you know, as the killer you know, to take away any kind of evidence from Adam. Yeah, and it's it's kind of uncertain to me how much of a demon Fenton was. Like, I know he killed his dad. He killed a demon slayer, so he was evil. It's insinuated he was killing other people, too. Yeah, because there's actually more graves in the Rose Garden than the six. Yeah, and that's what I think is the extra twist that I'm not entirely sure if people have only seen this movie once or twice have noticed that. I think Fenton was killing people all along, and he was this horrible serial killer. He went insane when he was in that shed underneath the ground, and I think he was evil. And Adam even says, I could not kill Fenton. Even though I knew Fenton was evil, I couldn't kill him until he showed up on my list. And this is the quote that I love. To kill before that would have been murder. Yeah, yeah. I can, I can definitely see where you're coming from there, and actually I kind of sort of thought that before too. 
but that makes more sense now too. See, you got a little bit more insight in this one. I just thought it was a straight up, you know, twist of of Fenton is Fenton Matthew McConaughey from the beginning of the movie is now Adam, you know, all, all of a sudden, which makes it, you know, the movie completely different. But I, I can see where you're coming from, absolutely. And I I change my opinion on what I think this movie's about every time I watch. So I'm just this is my latest viewing. That what I the way I look at this movie is that. The dad and Adam were never wrong. They were heroes. And God God was either making them heroes, they're the only ones out there killing all these evil people in the world, or God is just an asshole just telling people to kill. Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. You think it's all creepy because the dad and Adam were killing these people and getting away with it over the years, but I think the takeaway is that they were the good guys. And I think that makes us even creepier. Yeah, and one of the things, too, about that, about about the... Uh twist in that too is that you know if you compare it to the the story in the bible about abraham god asking abraham to destroy his own son you know to destroy isaac um and in that case uh, abraham was all on board i mean he's like this sucks but god asked me to do it meanwhile in this movie uh you know the dad he couldn't kill his own son and so in regards to abraham god took pity on him you know and and said you know okay well don't kill your son Meanwhile, since dad didn't uh, kill his son, he handed down this more of a uh, perverse, you know, uh, punishment for it. I was going to say that I've always wondered what the title of this movie comes from, Frailty. And on my last viewing, I think I figured it out. It's because the dad was not strong enough to murder his own son. That's the frailty. And had he killed Fenton, like the angel said, he would have prevented a lot of serial killings. He would have prevented a lot of evil. And the demon slayers would have been out there and doing God's mission and doing good the rest of the, the of, you know, to, to the end of time. So the frailty is at the dad. The dad just was not strong enough to do what he was supposed to do. Yeah, that makes sense. I always thought it was just like something to do with the frailty of humanity. But I guess, uh, no, yours or yours makes a lot more sense. Well, it could be. Like I said, my, my interpretation changes every time I see this movie. Okay, so here's the end that the FBI agent now has Adam Meeks in the cemetery, and Adam's like, you know, when I when when I was saw the visions, Dad would say we'd see the visions that these were demons. I wasn't being a kiss ass. I wasn't faking that I saw them. I really did see the visions. I saw the demons for what they were, and he's like, I know that you're a demon too. And like you said, this is where we find out that Powers Booth killed his mom and got away with it. Yeah, he, he, you know, Agent Cole is basically standing there, and uh, or Dole is standing there and pointing a gun at him, and and Adam says basically, I know that you killed your wife or you killed your mother. I mean, sorry, and um, that's and so he's going to go ahead and touch him basically, to touch, touch Agent Cole or Cole, uh, so to touches him to reveal his sins, and sure enough, Agent Cole killed his mother, and meanwhile, while he's kind of freaking out about the fact that this is happening, Adam takes the handcuffs handcuff keys. Yeah, and uh, and and we realize that uh, Agent Cole is on Adam's list. That's the great reveal. I love that line. The agent's like, "How did you know? Like, I killed my mother thirty years ago. How did you know that I did that?" And Adam's like, "Because you were on my list." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one of those kind of like whoa moments again. <laughs> yeah, and so so Adam is going to kill this FBI agent. He when he touched him and revealed his sins, he stunned him. The FBI agent Powers with falls down to his knees, and Adam like pulls out the axe, the whole, the Otis axe that he's been using to kill these people all these years. And he's like, you know, it's time for you to go in your grave now. And the FBI agent's like, no, you know, they saw you in my office tonight. They'll come looking for you. You'll be caught. And Adam says, no, there's two things. What are the two things, his two defenses, why he will never be caught? 
Uh, one says God will protect me, um, but they say they will they, they will think it's actually the, uh, the Fenton Adam, you know, the, yes. the brother, basically. Yeah, they will think they'll be looking for a Fenton Meeks, not Adam Meeks, and Fenton Meeks killed himself tonight. And the other thing is that what the dad said earlier, we can kill people in broad daylight because God will shield us. God will protect us. And this is one of the, again, creepier scenes in the movie here where he, you know, he kills the FBI agent. He's like, God will shield me. God will protect me. And now we go back to the FBI office, and they're all looking for their missing agent. They know he's been abducted and murdered. And they know he was in with a, with a witness earlier tonight. But what, when they look at the video footage, Jason, what do they see? It's, it's like an 80s video you know, from Blockbuster that's rented, rented 500 times. You know, there's a, there's a, basically, you can't see Adam's face as he walks out of the building. And nobody can remember what he looked like. You know, so it's covering the face of, of Adam. Yes, God has shielded him. And this is very important because it's literally what the father said earlier in the movie, that we can do God's business, we can kill demons, and God will protect us every time. And so when they look at the video footage of McConaughey taking Powers Booth off to his death, the face is obscured in every shot. And it's the creep. it's just creepy because... The dad was right. God really is doing this. God is working in tandem with these guys to get away with murder. Yeah, and and it's it's, it's unexpected too because by this point in time you figure, oh, we've already had two twists, you know. And how can there be more? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, by the way, uh, you know, there's truth to this too. Yeah, and then now we're going to go to the final scene of the movie, which is a fun one, where the FBI comes looking for Adam Meeks, the brother of Fenton, who has killed their missing agent. And this is where we find out what Matthew McConaughey does for a living now. Uh, Adam is now the sheriff in this small town. I mean, if you're a, if you're a demon killer, it would make sense that you're also a lawmaker. I mean, you're the you're the this peacemaker in town. You're the sheriff. Yeah, he is a sheriff of a small town, protects his community. Well, on the side, you know, he's also killing demons because God is still giving him lists of people to kill. Yeah, and he's doing it in a legal manner. You know. <laughs> Yeah, so the FBI agent comes and talks to Sheriff McConaughey, and McConaughey's like, I, I don't know what happened. My brother was a serial killer. He killed all these people. I don't know. And uh, <laughs> there's a great little twist here where he shakes the FBI. The FBI guy has come in to talk to McConaughey, and McConaughey shakes his hand. He says, uh, he says, he realizes his, you're a good man. <laughs> yeah. McConaughey has touched this FBI agent, and he can tell because he has the vision of touch. Oh, you're a good man. I don't have to kill you. Well, and the thing that they uh, also is that this is the agent that was originally that originally saw him in the office with Agent Cole, you know, and and sure enough, you know, the the we've had the image of the video already skewed, but this is the same guy that was like face to face with them, talking with them, that let him in Agent Cole's office in the first place, and just kind of looks at him like, hey, you know, nice to meet you. God has shielded Matthew McConaughey from harm. He is free to do this again. And this is where, you know, the agents leave him alone. And we just learned that Adam Meeks, Matthew McConaughey, is now free to kill demons as needed. His God is continuing to give him lists. And we also get a neat little twist here that we find out that Adam's mission will be passed on. Did you catch the little hint about that at the end of the movie of the state that his wife is in? Oh, I didn't, I didn't see that, no. His wife is pregnant. Oh, I did not see that. We no. have a future little demon slayer growing in her be- in her belly that this will be passed on to her child. Well, I think you're assuming considering the fact that Fenton was a demon. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Who's, which DNA passes down genetically? Is that, uh, you know, do, we, do we have like a, a list of what he's going to come out as? Are you insinuating the wife had an affair with Fenton Meeks? That's terrible, Jason. 
no, 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 no. I'm saying that, um, you know, is in the bloodline, you know, so the, the Meeks bloodline, you know, which passive, which passive traits are there? Yes. And that's that's the end of the movie and just the pregnant wife joining Adam, holding hands, looking out over to the little small town and and uh, the wife says, God's will has been served. And Adam says, praise God. And that is the end of the movie, which is open to many different interpretations. And I'd love to hear if there's anything that you have not brought up about this interpretation, because I I've heard several different people talk about what they think this movie is about and what happened. No, I mean, you got a lot. You got a lot of my, my one that I thought. I mean, I thought was the case was again one of the big twists is that Adam is Fenton and Fenton is Adam. You know, at the end there, which completely flip flops the idea of who the good guy and who the bad guy are. You know, but uh, but you didn't. I don't think you saw it quite the same way I did. Yeah, and again, that's that's one of the twists. Adam is Fenton. Fenton is Adam. But I, I, my personal belief is that's a very superficial twist because there's deeper twists. Oh I, no, I agree. There's definitely deeper twists, but that's like the first, the first one that slaps you in the face, you know, because I was not expecting that you know, when I first saw this film, and and it's one of these ones that sticks in your brain. It's kind of like, um, I don't know, something like uh, Usual Suspects, Sixth Sense, kind of like once you know the twist, you kind of got the twist. But at the same time, this one, this one, like you said, is up for interpretation, which obviously we are discussing right now. Yeah, and we've both seen this movie multiple times, and we're not even agreeing on it, so. I would like to know other people's interpretations. And I remember the first time I saw this, and I will point out flat out, I'm an atheist. I don't, I don't like religion. And the first time I saw this movie, my takeaway is, oh, God's just kind of an a-hole, just telling people to go kill each other. And I'm like, I kind of like that. That's kind of funny from an atheist perspective. But I realize on later viewings that is not indeed what's going on. What's going on is that this is a very pro-religious movie in that God is very powerful and I think, again, the, the scarier takeaway is that these nuts that are out there killing people in the name of God and doing, you know, God's business and, you know, God told me to kill people. Maybe they're not crazy. Maybe they're right. And I think that's scarier. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, I'm with you on the uh, atheist side of things, too. So I look at it the same, you know, similar way. But, yeah, like you said, it's, you know, you have to look at it from the point of view of uh, if this is the truth, then, you know, what, uh, what's out there? You know, what's going on? Yeah, it's. Right before we record, recorded this, I had one of my uh, friends on Facebook said, you know, I saw Frailty, and I've never hated a movie more than that one. It made me so angry. And I'm like, why? And he's like, because I'm an atheist, and that movie basically is saying all atheists are full of crap, and they're stupid, and there's really a God, and it's like crapping on us. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I mean, that's one interpretation. That's not now, not how I look at it, but it is a more pro-religious movie than you think it is. Oh, no, I, I agree. I agree. I think, you know, they're, they're showing that there's truth behind the dad's visions and all this kind of stuff, you know, in, in a, you know, no questioning kind of way. You know, so the idea of him being crazy gets translated later on to being the truth. And you know, like you said, then it's then it's pro-religious. And that's the other thing with Bill Paxton, how earnestly he plays his character is that he's really, if you buy into the mythology and the religion of this movie, he is the hero. He's doing everything right. And you think he's, play, he's creepy in the movie as you're watching it, and then it flips your expectation that he was actually the hero doing God's work. And that's why it messes with your head. And that's why I think this is a very nasty, memorable movie, because it lodges in your brain and it makes you think about stuff you might not think about otherwise. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I wonder if I wonder if any of the victims were atheists. <laughs> That's the extended director's cut. They were all atheists, I'm sure. 
<laughs> so uh, a couple things about this movie again this is one that was not really widely known it didn't make a lot of money but it kind of succeeded because of word of mouth and i read this on the internet movie database that uh sam raimi james cameron and stephen king all came out in support of this movie saying how awesome it was for a horror movie and those three really word of mouth you know got an audience for it so those three helped and again Bill Paxton never directed another movie, and like Roger Ebert said, only a first-time director would have come anywhere near this movie because it's so controversial. So you had, you had to have balls to do it in the first place. But it's just, it's got, it occupies a neat little place in history, and I'm glad I finally get to talk about it. Yeah, uh, me too. Because uh, like you, I mean, I, I like to spread the word about it too. I mean, it's, it, I guess, spread the word might be the right case in this one. But, um, <laughs> but uh, it, it really is. It's a, it's a fantastic film. Bill Paxton does great. Matthew McConaughey does great. Um, Powers Booth is Power Booth. Um, and it's got the, uh, the young actor that will become uh, Peter Pan in one of the. I don't remember if it's the creepy version or not, but you know, uh, it's got a good cast. It's got a good. I mean, it's. It's fairly um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, small budget, but at the same time, it it doesn't matter because it's so cerebral and so uh, you know you have to process it after you watch it. Yeah, and and the kid actors in particular, I don't know their names. I should look them up, but they're both really good, and they have to handle a lot of the drama and the exposition in this movie. And I think they do a great job. And just yeah, there's almost nothing bad about this movie. And again, it's not bloody. You can, this is totally accessible to anybody, even if you don't like horror movies. It will creep you out. It will get you to look at the world a little different way, but it's not a super unpleasant and bloody movie. And that's one thing I definitely want to get across. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, it's kind of nice too, especially when, you know, we're in an age right now where every single horror movie, you know, relies on jump scares and, and blood and gore and all that kind of thing. You know, this is one of those ones that just stands out to be. Like, you know, I said it already a couple of times, but you have to think about it. It's more cerebral. Yeah, it's deep, you know, and, and, and deep in a really scary kind of way. It's just the story of a dad and his sons. It's a typical, wholesome little family. They just didn't go fishing. I was surprised at that. One, one small little thing I wanted to bring up, just a, just a fun little side thing, is I, I told you this when we were messaging the other day, but one of the actors' names in the film is Vincent Chase. And for me, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of the TV, the HBO show Entourage. So I was like, Vinny Chase is in this movie. Was he a demon? <laughs> well, I don't know. It depends on your point of view. Yeah. Son, we're going out fishing for demons today. <laughs> now you got a Bill, Bill Paxton accent going I, on. I, I, went, I went that whole podcast without trying to do a Bill Paxton impression, so you should be proud of me. <laughs> No, I think honestly, I mean, I talked about weird science before. This is honestly one of, I mean, this is Bill Paxton at his best. I mean, he, he plays the role so straight. And like you said, he's such a nice guy. You know, and I've heard he's a, he was a nice guy in life too, but, but he plays this nice guy, but he gets that switch on when he, when he, you know, becomes the demon, you know, slayer basically, where it's like, whoa, that's a, you know, 180 degree turn. Yeah, and I have always heard that as well, that Bill Paxton was like the, one of the nicest guys in real life. Everyone loved working with him, just the nicest, greatest guy. And it's like, I'm glad there's one movie out there where he plays kind of a normal, nice guy. Now, admittedly, he murders a bunch of people, but still, he was technically the hero. So I'm saying he's a nice guy in this. At least he knocks him out before he kills me, though. He's just trying to protect humanity. I mean, can you fault a guy for that? <laughs> Oh, All golly. Right. Jason, anything else you have to add before we sign off here? 
No, not really. It's been a pleasure again, you know, doing another, doing another podcast with you. I enjoyed it. And like I said, like we both said, you know, it's, it's good to bring this movie more to the limelight because it deserves the, the, the credit and accolades that it should get. All right. Well, I will try to have you on again for another movie where gods do make people do horrible things. Dogma. <laughs> Dogma or the, the South Park movie, perhaps. that's a a good one yeah yeah all right anyway again uh, thank you for everybody for listening for horror month especially i'm just hoping to give you as many little different new horror movies that'll creep you out in different ways frailty is a perfect example of that it's scary in a way that most other movies are not i cannot think of an equivalent to it and again, my name is Mario Lanza. This is Staff Picks. If you need to reach me, you can reach me at staffpickspodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at Mario J. Lanza. And until the next time, I'll be out there looking for more movies that deserve more love, and I'll try to find somebody interesting to come on and kill demons with me. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. You didn't think anyone knew about that, did you? When God saw you. Dad, don't, please! And you can't escape God's wrath!